I think for me, this week has been about realizing what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of us have been selling ourselves short for a long time. And it's up to us individually to decide what we're worth. That's basically what's been um, on my mind for the past week. If I sum it up in like a couple of sentences, what about yourself? Well, on that note, it's like what creates your value of yourself and your own self-worth. Cause oftentimes the programs we inherit from the people around us, like our family and our um, cultural environment tend to um, shape what we think we're worth. Right. And um, sometimes you can get into places where you start to question your own self-worth and you start to elevate it and upgrade it, especially when you change your environment and you change your habits. Um, It can, like I relate to this because um, the two main ways paths I'm seeing is the matrix path, which is like get money, get ahead. It's like, it's the get ahead mindset, which is what, I was programmed and conditioned into as a child. So get a good job um, so you can get money, so you can raise a family, so you can get a nice house so that you can get out of the game eventually. The goal eventually is to get out of the game, but until you do work in harmony with it so you can raise a family or so you can have a nice lifestyle. And to me, that is the equivalent of um, having a hamster on a wheel and going around the wheel, around the wheel, around the wheel, around the wheel. Um, Because you're doing it out of like necessity, not out of because you want to. Um, I so will say one thing. Yeah. You can't value anyone unless you value yourself. That's right. And in that reality, I'm creating. You can't respect anyone if you don't respect yourself. Yeah. And I don't think you're respecting yourself when you're treating yourself like a hamster on a wheel. Yeah. So, so where I'm looking at it now, what's, I get this what's the difference between hamsters and humans then? What do you think? Um, we have opposable thumbs. Mm. And I think we have slightly bigger brains. Yeah. But we don't know how much of that we're actually using. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we're afraid to use it. Maybe, we, maybe we're our own worst enemies. Maybe. In a lot of cases, yeah. Maybe we're afraid of what we want. Maybe that's what we're truly afraid of confronting. What do I actually want? Because once you, you think- know that it's like, what's stopping you from getting it? And then you deal with that. And then, you know, slowly, but surely we can make it. But then when you know what you want, you have to be responsible now. Yes. See the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Where, where, where does that quote come from? I, I don't know, but it's true, <laughs> right? Because when you're free, <laughs> you got to constantly be on the lookout to make sure you don't lose your freedom, right? So that's a responsibility. I do like that. But then there seems to be like an element of cautiousness to that catchphrase. And I feel that if you know who you really are, the cautiousness kind of drops away because you know your rights, you know your liberty, you know your freedom, and therefore you just live it. And there doesn't need to be that caution. It's almost like that's inbuilt. Yeah. Mm. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's like a natural state of mind for, for a human to be free. 
but at the same time it's not something i believe that we we have to claim it we we if you if you we don't do, take we do, it we do agreed and and there's a price for claiming it and that is always being on the lookout and remembering remembering why you chose to claim it i think well i heard an idea recently that apparently if you read the bible and the subtext like read between the lines you see how jesus deals with uh interactions and oftentimes allegedly he would answer a question with another question realizing that a question is often an invitation from someone else and um instead of taking on someone's energy or taking on someone's invitation that you don't like, because that would be, if you ever lost your freedom, it would be because you accepted something that you don't like. Instead of doing that, you have to kind of respond to their question. But if you answer a question with another question, you're always maintaining your own viewpoint and your own periphery and your own perception of reality. And as long as you do that, you have the ability to be free within that um, realm. So um, yeah, it's like he taught us how to, and this parallels with like, knowing your rights now in the 21st century as um, you know, there are these new ideas that, you know, cops have more power now or something like that, or um, there's more controversy, there's more pandemonium in the air. So knowing your rights in this time, knowing how to um, deal with situations so that you're always keeping your perception of reality intact rather than taking on someone else's is the epitome of freedom. I feel, but it's like a knowing it's like a knowing your rights and knowing that what they think that's their reality. And so long as I maintain my perception of reality, I'm free and I'm clean. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Like and mm. the police and police state of Australia, like is something we've been talking about now reoccurring theme in, in the podcast. And I, I think it is, it is, I, I believe we are, in a state of war um, against the police state here in Australia, but that you can view that as like a positive thing. I think that they haven't, they, they haven't, they've, if anything to me, it's been shown that they've gone to war with the Australian people, but there's something incredible about the Australian spirit. Uh, I don't see it as being crushed here in Perth. Uh, I don't know what uh, nor in you, Melbourne. What's going nor on in Melbourne. Melbourne? And look, we are numbered here. We have no weapons. Um, is that the best you've got? Is what I'm saying to the police. That's, you know, that's like, a message like, from Nick. I like seeing uh, it from both sides. I like seeing that these cops. I think a lot of these cops actually believe that they're doing the right thing and that they're doing good and that they're restoring ah, yeah, sure. order. And in a lot of ways, they are. Um, but I do think that they're taking orders, a lot of cops, you know, there is a hierarchical structure and, um, I think there's like a balance between order and chaos that we we're self-organizing. It's like on the first day of high school, every, the whole social hierarchy gets organized. It's real. it happens really natural and no one first thinks about it. It's just, everyone just like drops into that hierarchy and it's like yeah. when, when things become too ordered or tyrannical, you could say then it's up to the collective consciousness to shift the balance and bring it back in, you know, enough chaos back in to balance it. And they're one in the same. And so when these little shifts happen, they're almost like little warning signs to kind of say, Hey, let's balance the scales again. And um, you know, that's what, that's what we'll do. So that's why in times like this, you can get intimidated or flustered, but you just kind of see, okay, there's like a correction 
mechanism that's occurring right now. We need to we need to shift this balance to reach equanimity again, um, which is why I feel really positive in this moment. And like I said before on the show, um, this shift in Australian zeitgeist um, has caused this new information about knowing your rights, about knowing how to talk to people, about basically maintaining your sovereignty has come uh, to the foreground. Um, you know, such as um, being able to reserve all your rights when you interact with a judge or a cop, you know, we won't go into it again. We went into that in the last couple of episodes. Um, but yeah, so as a result, you know, as, as we go through that shift, you know, the new light emerges and we counterbalance and that's like what we're always doing as a society. So I like to see both sides of the coin rather than, cause I think a lot of us is tempting for a lot of us who aren't embedded in the system to attack the system rather than seeing that it's the best we could do at that point. But now we can see yeah. its limitations. So now let's, let's arise and, and shift the balance again. We were sort of talking about this. A lot of these like uh, emotional reactions people are having with uh, police, we were sort of arguing that it's, uh, it's, uh, it's some sort of like outflow, right? Of like, well, hey, maybe you wouldn't be having this confrontation. Maybe it's from both sides, the police officer and the, and the uh, person mm -hmm. who's uh, the other person who's involved in whatever interactions, they're probably imbalanced in other parts of their life. There's probably things going on with their family, other things. And this is how they're both uh, letting it out. Hey, and maybe, maybe, maybe the cops are our best friends and we're just afraid to admit it. I don't know. It can be cops can become criminals like that and criminals can become cops like that. That's the reality yeah. when you, when you see What's both the sides. difference. It's just the uniform that you're wearing, isn't it? Well, so I think understanding is the best way to approach these situations. So it's like what yeah. we do with prisons. Hey, when someone does something wrong, um, we put them in jail and we tell them they're really bad. Um, instead of kind of going, okay, what is going on here? Like you're a brother or a sister to me and my society and you've done something like this. Instead, yeah. of, I, instead of blaming them kind of seeing it's a collective I, saw an, I saw an interesting thing right um as the idea was about like all right so like if if we can't keep drugs out of prison then what are we doing trying to keep it like what, what's the point of the war on drugs right a prison is the most like secure like sort of institution you can make yet heaps of drugs go through them right so like, yeah. there you go. That to me is like the final nail in the coffin to the war on drugs. But, you know, uh, you know, it's all about uh, choosing your battles, right? I think that's what it comes down to, right? We all need to um, choose, choose our battles. Um, what, what are we going to fight for and what are we going to stand for? What are we going to stand for? That is a good question. So, I can talk about what's been really influencing me at the moment. Um, so I would say my creative mentor is someone called David Lynch, who a lot of people probably know. He um, created the TV show Twin Peaks. He um, has very successful films such as um, Mulholland Drive or Blue Velvet, um, some older films like The Elephant Man or Razorhead. So he's been in popular culture for a long time. He's I'd describe him as an avant-garde filmmaker. He's, very, very strange, um, his films are at least, but when, when you hear him in interviews, he's very humble, very kind, very present man. Um, he's influenced me on such a great level because um, there's a documentary about him in particular that I'm interested in called The Art Life, and I'm just midway through watching it for the second time. 
this documentary purports through following David Lynch's life and him recounting his uh, upbringing and going into his teens and his adulthood when he transgressed from being um, a student to being a painter to being a filmmaker. Um, he talks about this concept called the art life that he inherited from um, a guy in his neighborhood who was a painter. And he said that as soon as he found out that his friend's dad was a painter, that's all he wanted to do. And he graduated from painting and worked into films because he was working with that visual form for such a long time. But to him, the art life was drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, painting. And then he said, maybe girls would come into it a little bit and that's it. So that was the life he wanted to live. So when he got a job delivering prescriptions a couple of times a week, that was just the money he needed to get a studio, which at the time was like $40 a month or something like that. And to buy supplies like his paints and his canvases and to eat essentially. So for him, that's how he played the matrix game. It was like, what is the minimum amount I need to do what I want to do? And so he'd really just dip in to do the work and he's not even resenting the work when he's doing it because he's like, this is, this, this is cause and effect. This is providing what I need to do what I want to do. So his life and his mission, his purpose were mapped out. And I want to encourage this idea uh, for anyone out there who feels like they're stuck in the matrix or trapped, or they feel resentful towards the fact that they have to go to work every day. It's like, you don't have to go to work every day. You know, you can live hey, a different there's life. A, there's a lot of people who are resentful that they don't have a job to go to. Well, there's that as well. Damn maybe, you do, damn I you think, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. And it's like, that's, I think what you're kind of describing to me is like the beauty of capitalism. Right. Um, so we can all, like when we have some value to contribute, we can contribute. And um, for the value that you do contribute, you get compensated. You, if you're contributing labor, uh, value in the form of your labor. Mm -hmm. And when you receive that value, it's you decide what you want to do with it. Just like your boss decided what he wants to do with your labor and he compensates you for that. Right. And that's, that's that's the freedom that it gives us as opposed to uh, i'm going to call it co collectivism or communism where uh the, the what, what what's exchanged is some sort of i don't even know what it is it's like uh it's not it's not about your labor it's about you signaling your virtue to the group and history mm. has shown it always fails every mm. single time so, and it's also uh, to bring us back because you, I, my, in my opinion, it's because you, uh, you, you are, uh, you are, um, you're essentially destroying yourself um, and you lose, you, you don't know who you are if you, if you don't know, it comes back yeah. to what I was saying. If you can't value yourself and decide what you want, you, you, you know, th this, this group just turns into to a hive mind of um, yeah. individuals you know of, uh, that no one knows who they are, right? Yes, they're exchanging the their connection with themselves for a concept. Because yeah. what I've realized is that oh, this, is, this sounds like a generalization and it is, um, yeah. but I have a hunch that every very successful person and success means different things to different people. But to me, it means doing what they love, living basically their life in harmony and in flow and loving their life. That to me is success. Yeah. And then usually rewards such as finances and relationships will come from you being the embodiment of that awesomeness. Um, I think 
and feel that these people who are successful have figured out a way to work on themselves and to basically be connected with themselves every day. Um, and they, so for some people it's painting, like I mentioned the previous example, for some people it's researching for some, you know, some people it's sport because they just feel that connection with themselves through, through sport. Some people like to drive formula one because they're so close to death every time they get in that car and it just thrills them and ex exhilarates them and keeps them in their chi and their flow. Cause you know, we all find different outlets to do it, but basically they're connected with their selves. And what and you're talking Lee, tell about me is what, Tell me what that. we do usually when, we, when we're not connected with ourselves. What, what do we resort to to feel we, we something? En we enter ideology, essentially, drugs. I think is what you're alluding to. Yeah, yeah, drugs as well, definitely. But drugs can obviously mm. facilitate the connection with yourself too. It's not like they're good, good or bad. Ah, they yeah. Can, they can be used differently. But yeah, I get what you're saying that I think a lot of addiction, us are exchanging. Right? Yeah, addiction. A lot of us are exchanging our connection with ourselves for... Um, an ideology and to fit in and, and like a dogma essentially to fit is that an addiction and it totally is because they're sacrificing their connection with themselves to become a concept to become the embodiment of a concept that's devoid of think life about a, a group of alcoholics right do they really communicate with each other if uh can you can you participate if you if, you, if you're not drinking through through templates i think they communicate with each other so you're saying like, oh, right. So, well, the drinking is kind of like the lubricant, isn't it for them? Mm. And so in a way they are communicating, but it's, yeah, I would argue that if you need something to communicate like that, um, maybe you're better off without it. But at the same time, you know, I smoked marijuana for six years, um, at least five nights a week. And that helped me during that phase. That helped me um, come face to face. There with we my go. Anxiety. Well we're not, we're not saying it's good or bad. Uh, it just is. It just is. Yeah. It just is. And, and so are we, and we just are. And he, this is where we found, find ourselves now as a community in Australia. And, uh, it feels like we've, uh, a lot of people, uh, I don't know what to call it. Maybe waking up is a good word that, uh, all of a sudden, uh, we we feel like we've uh, woken up out of a dream of some sort is the feeling i get for a lot yeah. of uh, for a lot of uh, for a lot of the interactions i'm having and uh, yeah it's like uh, it's kind of like uh, it's like it is waking up for from a dream and it's like uh, it, we've kind of talked about this as well the sort of like identity crisis so like all right well who am i now Yes. Well, before you go into that, are you able to detail the steps you took to wake up from the dream or as I like to put it to unplug from the matrix in your situation? Um, or is it maybe a bit more? I would abstract? use a, I would use, yeah, it's a bit abstract, but um, a word that comes to mind for me is intuition, right? Mm. And trusting my gut. Yes. That's what I, really I that's what I could that. tell you. Yeah. And and so And then it it's almost like, like you... we have some sort of uh we have some sort of like uh we can tap into something and we can and we can feel what 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 like it's almost like a compass, right? And um Yes. When you when you when you when you have that, um, you know, you can it's very powerful, right? But 
what I find is what, what, when you when you start to tap into that, what you're going to find is a lot of people who haven't found it, they're going to they're going to really become yeah, and they're going to want you to join in with them. They're going to be like yeah. we, we really, and they're going to they're going to tell you everything. They're going to they're going to promise you the world. They're going to promise you everything to join them. You can have whatever you want, whatever you want. So. Just that's very interesting, but just going back a step because I think this is a good point to hit on. I'm curious what steps did you take to activate your intuition on a higher level? Because it seems like you started to tune into your intuition more in say the last six or 12 months. What prompted? Yeah. Um, Was there a catalyst? For me, yeah that's a, that's a really good question hey um i'm thinking i'm thinking for me like i i felt like uh basically for me it realized i need to put myself first i guess that's probably mm-hmm. the best way i can sum it up in a nutshell it's kind of mm-hmm. like the idea of uh you know you can't you can't really um it's kind of like the idea of y- y- you can only maybe the idea is maybe you can only lead a horse to water. Maybe it's like um, we can also. It's like a, for me, it's like a paradoxical thing, right? Where like you you can start to notice and you can like start to notice you have an intuition, but instead of using that for yourself and your own like personal gain, you're gonna start being like, oh yeah, I can feel it, but like I know everyone else can feel it too. And, and, and instead of you leading by example, I think for a long time, we start thinking like, oh, you know, you can, you can use it. You know what I mean? You can do anything. And then like, it's kind of like a paradox you get stuck in where you end up kind of like, yeah, you kind of um, end up chasing your tail, right? Um, instead of just, uh, you know, if you feel like you have an intuition, just do, do what feels right to you instead of um trying to instead of trying to like yell to me it's like trying to yell at a cow that like uh <laughs> you know there's this thing called the internet and like um you know if you you just you just have no idea that like you know they're going to slaughter you whereas you know why are you doing that to the cow when the cow's perfectly happy grazing grass and like ignorance is bliss and it's just like yeah that's true you know why are you why are you like if you if you feel something different, leave the fucking cow alone. It's having it's a great time and it's it's living its own dream. Why aren't you living your dream? That's my question to you. Well, yes. So some of us are tapping into this higher power that we're gonna call intuition as a blanket term. Um, but it almost does involve, as you say, um, escaping from the hive mind in order to do so. And again, that's claiming your power, claiming your sovereignty and claiming responsibility. And oftentimes it could be much easier to lean, excuse me, on someone else, like a family member or a partner or a job or an identity or an ego or an idea. Um, but then sometimes what happens that is, is that is forged by other people, not by you. I think that's exactly. the main key, right? It's not something that you outlined for yourself and said, this is, this is the line in the sand and this is who I am. This is the ideas I value. And it's like, yeah, I could be wrong, but it's like, if, 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 if you never like draw that sun and learn it's if you never draw that line in the sand and say, okay, this is what I believe in here. You're never going to learn. I, cause it's like, 
we all make mistakes and it's part of learning. Hey, so until you start basically start thinking from yourself, thinking for yourself, which is, uh, almost thinking for yourself is like basically a radical idea today. Yeah. But this is why like, I think in both our cases, like our house of cards fell down at different points. And in a way, this is like the blessing when this happens, because when you realize that you aren't benefiting anymore from leaning on certain people or certain ideals, um, you know, what is left. And then I think you start to connect with that inner voice, that inner self. It, it almost feels like to me that we live in a simulation or not almost, it does feel like we live in a simulation and like, we've got like a headset on and this physical reality is that. And, and we're that all simulation. looking at each, we're looking at each other through windows and through screens. Right. We totally are. And, and yeah, it's like, that. that's the world that, that we in right now where our reality is built up through these screens. Right. And it's like, uh, the, the powerful thing that we have is like to remember that you, you have a choice in what you want to participate in that's a very powerful idea to remember that you, you have a choice. You have a choice. Do you want to, you, do you want to get up and go to work today? It's up to you. Like, you know what I mean? But then that's what we were kind of saying with that choice. If you take that choice, it's a big responsibility because now it is. you, you have to decide you can't go along with, let's call it the autopilot program or whatever that you find yourself coasting along in mm-hmm. that, Hey, you might feel comfortably numb in, but I think like we were saying, there's a lot of yearning for yield, right? Yield was something we were talking about last week. And to get yield, you have to plant the seeds and to plant the seed, you have to make the decision to plant the seed. Well, what I think we're talking about using my rhetoric and language that I like to use is spirituality because I, feel a great definition for spirituality is your connection with yourself like your inner self like it's uh are we a godless people in australia i think we've said um, we've talked about this before like most australians if you look at like the 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 like and i'm not saying if we can trust these like statistics but like every now and then in australia we have one of these like uh, government statistic forms that people fill out like and like, if you, whatever, if you look up, whatever, like the thing is, most people will say, I think we almost are like a majority in Australia where people will identify as non-religious. And my question to you, is it possible to be non-religious or is that void in, in our psyche filled with something else and our church is just the shopping mall instead? We're trying to define the indefinable, you know, the the invisible the omnipresent um so i don't know if the definition of non-religious according to australia is agnosticism or atheism um from my experience you still have to have faith yeah you still you still, if, if faith, you're an atheist, you still you have faith you that have there is no faith. faith which is faith <laughs> yeah. it's invariable exactly exactly a lot of the people i meet are open uh they don't necessarily subscribe to a religious practice but they do believe in a higher power or that they could be a higher power. Um, I would say that's probably the most common denominator based. That's just based on the people I meet. And then when you factor in law of attraction, you kind of go, well, that makes sense. Cause he's going to meet people like him. And that is essentially how, where I'm at as well. Like I, I don't subscribe to a specific religion. Uh, I see the benefits in many of them. And um, 
I see the downfalls in many of them as well. And, you know, you take this and take that. There's great, great lessons from Jesus in the Bible. I'm sure there is in the Quran and uh, the, the Torah. I've even been reading some of the Kabbalah recently, which is an ancient Jewish text. So, you know, like I have that openness. I take ideals from Hinduism, Buddhism, I'm sure as well. So I don't necessarily subscribe to one, but I'm open. Um, and I, you get moments sometimes, like you say, intuition. Intuition is an invisible force and there's just sometimes you just know not to go to that place that day or or you know you should go to that place that day um or you know i should be doing this or that today um i mean it can kind of convert itself into a voice that you hear inside of your head but sometimes it doesn't even do you might, you might even see a picture inside your head um but it is this it kind of gets converted into pictures and sounds and de- it's information and energy being decoded into um, pictures or sounds that we can decrypt and then utilize but, our feelings. Yeah. But it is the non-physical becoming the physical essentially. So, and that's the beautiful transferal that occurs with everything that we do, non-physical energy becoming physical energy. And when you become more aware of that force, that invisible force, some people literally just call it the force. Some people call it energy, chi, prana, wow. life force. But yeah, well, there's a very symbolic film. Use the force. He's talking about the energy <laughs> that comes through, which is God, I believe. I feel. Mm. Uh, that's, I guess th- we're just using mere language here to describe something mm. incredible. But when you start to tap into your force, you realize that you're a conductor of it, like you're a conduit for it, and that you can allow as little or as much as you desire. And the more you allow, you know, the more energy you have. And I think this is what you're alluding to when you say when you claim your sovereignty and you use your intuition and you become connected with yourself people are drawn to you because you're emitting a certain quality that is some may argue scarce in our contemporary times in the Western world. Mm. There's like a level of awareness and energy and aliveness and fullness and people flock to you because they want to tap into that. They want to know your secret. Yeah. They want to know if it's your diet. They want to know if it's your political views. And then when you tell them, <laughs> yeah. I'm what is the it? Force. Tell me, God yeah. damn it. Tell me, yeah. the, how, can, how can I cultivate this force? You know, can yeah. I, can how I can use I, some of my money? How can I money drink from this, this well? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, it's not connected yeah. to money per se. It's a, Although money is a, a physical manifestation of the force, you know? And it's a measurement uh, of exchange of energy. Right. It is. It's a measurement. That's, exactly. That's what. That's what we need. Good money. That's what we use good money for. Yeah. Exchanging. Um. Yeah. And it allows us. That's what. It, that's basically what I'd say most fundamentally separates us humans from, let's say, the hamster, right? Because mm. we we have like we have a much bigger brain, and then we can um we can like uh we can we can arrange we can decide and we can um we can arrange our society and we can decide and everyone can be happy who does what based on um based on money right um in a well functioning society otherwise things just get like messy right because you got the idea of oh i'm the baker i'll bake the bread but like you know then you're going to give me the eggs and like without without money as a way to like measure all of that it just it, it gets very difficult um mm. but in saying that i think now what we found ourselves in is uh um basically um it, it, i can speak from australia in perth where um 
a, a lot of the uh, uh, basically for whatever reason our our money is not working as a way for people to make agreements on things like as simple as in our society it's become complicated for just like where you where you're going to live um a lot of the time is like well basically I, 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 as far as i know it's it's optional to pay your rent it's optional to pay your mortgage so like how do you um how do you then decide if you're going to rent out a house to someone how do you, what are you judging on the fact that like what how are they going to like i own this house how are we going to know that like they're not just going to move in there promise me the world and just a couple months later stop stop paying their rent and um i as a pro- property owner I, I don't know what what rights do i have um to mm. to get my to get my fair share at the moment um and how how that that causes that causes a lot of problems and i think that's why we're feeling a bit agitated here and then there's like it comes back to what i was saying then you know, people are expressing it in different ways. Some people might feel physically sick. Um, yeah. Because it's very confusing and very, and very, mm. especially when it comes to like one of our basic needs of shelter, right? And we, and we get very afraid. Um, but I personally know that um, a lot of the, I, I don't know if it's the case, but for, for that, you know, as well, but like in the suburbs that we grew up in, there's a lot of empty bedrooms. I know a lot of the neighbors in my neighborhood, it, usually it's like one, one usually elderly person living in a home that has three bedrooms probably. And there's two bedrooms just like empty. So it's like, it's not that we don't have the room to mm. um, for everyone to sleep in shelter it's just like we don't know how to um, make the agreements and organize ourselves, do we? To 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 f- for us to grow and prosper instead of uh, sort of just uh, yeah, living in a state of confusion and fear and um, and sickness, right? And it's it's happened. It's something that's happened in history before, like. Uh, in, in in Weimar Republic, like the, the, in Germany before World War Two, their currency went through hyperinflation, and everyone was confused. And like, I've heard stories of like mm. you you could go to a shop, you want to buy some furniture or something, and you literally have to ask for the price because the currency was inflating that quickly. Like if you were spending an hour looking around when you first looked at the that sofa, yeah, wow, <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, you know, then everyone sort of like, uh, yeah, it, it, it's like very confusing and it's very, it's, it's very hard to, it's very hard to function. And like, um, yeah, then there's, there's these, there's when, when usually these sort of like events occur in history, like, uh, I, I'm not sure if like, you know, this is just me sort of like looking at like what, what basically Hitler done in my understanding was he managed to, cause my understanding was like Germany was like separated in different States and like, look, I'm not probably perfect at history. So probably you might find some flaws in what I'm saying, but it's just the idea of what I'm trying to say here and mm-hmm. what, 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 
what he managed to do was he managed to unite the the Bundes Republic, right? So he managed to unite all these sort of like separate states that we call uh, Germany today um, around a common idea, right? And I will go back and I'll say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And like you were saying before about uh, the about um, your idol who's an artist and like uh, how he how to, how he sort of created this sort of life that he lived where he could pursue mm. his art the 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 way the the way the the story is is that apparently hitler became hitler as we know him hitler is a meme in a, in a way as well in a word like i don't know who he really is mm. but the story mm-hmm. is he got mm-hmm. rejected from art school in vienna and um hey when, when we want to, we all want to express ourselves and we all, you know, and we want to like, and, and when we fi- maybe, maybe he felt hurt, I don't know. And he thought, ah, oh, I want to make things right. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but that's where I say, yeah, the road, the road to hell is, is paved with good intentions is, um, is my point. Um, and it's, it's like, uh, that's that's the thing that we can feel scared of right and it's like this idea that uh people we can all just like basically get caught up into something and we can all just get sucked into like uh uh some sort of force that's pulling all of us um and we can all get sucked into that and it can go down a terrible way and i think that's that's where a lot of the fear is coming from i think that's where that's why people go and buy toilet paper because it's just like some fear that, that, that they're not controlled of that, that takes of them. But um, the positive is like what we were sort of saying, it's all, it's actually so simple to, um, to, to reclaim your sovereignty. Right. And it, it's literally as simple as, Hey, if you're listening to this podcast or watching it, and you, you don't feel comfortable listening to the shit I'm saying. And, um, and you're like, this guy's a fucking idiot. Hey, right now you can write me a nasty comment and say you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Nick. You, you, you fucking what are you what are you talking about? The fucking what do you know about history? What do you know well, what happened sure. then? How, how do we even know? How do we even know anything's true if the news is fake? How do we know that fucking history is true, right? So shut shut up, Nick. Like fuck you, and you could write all this abusive shit to me. <laughs> And, you know, or you could just like, you could close the laptop or the phone or whatever and go, go for a walk. Um, it's totally up to you. I vote the second option personally, but then also um, having the independence to watch this show, if you so choose as well. Whereas maybe 40 years ago, you only really had access to the news and whatever, you know, three or four channels are on the telly box. Now you have the sovereignty to choose what you want to listen to so we do have that independence and when we take these actions we do shift it's like the butterfly effect every individual individual action we take has sweeping ramifications on the collective consciousness and uh and that's why you know through times of change what i tend to do is um focus on what i'm doing rather than what everyone else is doing and i find that that's the best way i can influence people and then if i'm influencing people they're influencing people right. and if they're influencing people they're influencing people and then so if you if you've listened to this far right you've sort of you're interested you've found your energy right and um you're mm-hmm. tapping into it and yeah. and and you're treating people how you want to be treated but then you start it comes back to what i was saying it was like um 
how how do you when 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 people notice it and then they're going to start offering offering you the world to to give that up <laughs> and to join the club right mm-hmm. and my my response to that is fuck you pay me um but what do you think well there is fuck you pay me but then at some point there's a threshold where the payment isn't actually worth what you're doing because if you had to degrade yourself to live a lifestyle that doesn't suit you and doesn't cause you to thrive it wouldn't really matter the, the amount of money. If you gave me billions of dollars, but I wasn't living the lifestyle I live, what am I going to do with that money? You know, pass it on to my kids. I mean, live in a house that I really like, but then like, if I'm not happy, that house is really just a physical decoration in my life, you know, that doesn't really have a, an effect that's enough to cause me to feel good about my life because I'm going to this job and I'm drudging there and I'm not enjoying it. Um, so there is that factor of like following the feeling and following your heart, which can just be a token phrase and not really interpreted into actual direction and guidance. But it's like um, you can reach like a balance within yourself. And, you know, it's, it's not just your mind, your emotions, but it feels like this ethereal concept called the spirit where everything's in perfect harmony and you make decisions from that place. And so a lot of things need to be stripped back in order to get to that place. You know, like I often openly say that I feel depressed and that's a revolutionary act because most people sweep their depression under the rug. And um, some people even take pills for their depression, but I think depression I th- is I quite think a that's, normal reaction. I think that's the things. magic word to get free, to get free drugs here in Australia. You just have to go to someone who's got the authority and you just tell them the right words and you can get packaged um, heroin or whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. Barbiturates and amphetamines. Yeah. Yeah. So... You, can, you, can, you can have what you want. You can have what you want. We all can. You, we, we all, we, like, we, we all, we're all so spoiled in a lot of senses. And this is something we talked in about the previous episode about the homeless man has more access to information than the fucking rich king or whatever the fucking library of alexandria or whatever the fuck wherever all the all the texts were that the scholars would um congregate upon and read and discuss um we basically are living in a time where we 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 have access to all of that but at the same time you also have access to all the fucking porn and you can just sit there and fucking just be a slave to pleasure a, a hedonist or, or soma yeah and i think this is the world that this is the world that aldous huxley excri- described in the book brave new world yeah and like the the best part about everything we've been talking about is it is all a game it is all a game like we will take the headset off at some point and realize that we are in a simulation and what's really amusing to me is people are getting so excited about vr and such and I'm like, okay, so you want to create a simulation within the simulation we're already in when most people don't even really know how to operate and navigate through the simulation we're currently in because we think that the simulation we're currently in is real. And it's not that it's not real, but it's that there is a reality that governs this simulation. And this is what we're alluding to, the, the force, the energy, the spirit, um, you know, and intuition is a component of that. Intuition is like the, they, they, they have this, um, I think it's the Vedic philosophy that there's seven planes of reality and the, the densest, grossest um, plane is the physical 
plane is where um, energy vibrates the slowest. That's why it's the densest. And then there's the emotional plane and then the mental plane and then the intu intuitive plane. And um, the intuitive plane seems to connect the higher spiritual planes to the physical, mental, emotional, lower, denser planes. Wow. So are you like the emotional plane? Is that maybe the thing I was sort of talking about before when you're like, when we all have this anxiety where we're like worried that like, oh, I have to fit in the group. Otherwise I'm, I'm not going to have saying. any shelter to, to sleep under, you know? I, I, I'm, yeah. It's like, I'm terrified. Right. And because of that, right. I can't feel anything in, in the, in, in the intuitional plane. Right. So that was the point I was making. It's like, how do we listen to that? And that's why I say, if I feel depressed, I don't try and sweep it under the rug. I try to say it. And like I said, it's a revolutionary act because people go, oh, you're depressed. You've got depression. You've got a problem. It's like, hang on, yeah. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on it's like it take take my case for instance it's like i've just moved um i've moved cities uh, i barely know anyone uh there's challenges changes um some of the things that used to ground me no longer work yeah it, it would be goodbye, weird if you scared. weren't exactly yeah. it would be it would be weirder if i wasn't and if i can just acknowledge that and go okay why am i feeling depressed oh because i've been really um, using this as a, um, a grounding tool and now it's no longer working. And then you kind of go, okay, so what do I, how can I remedy the situations? This is how the thoughts and the emotions are working in harmony because you're actually listening to your own biofeedback. You're listening to your own emotions. And instead of saying, oh, I'm depressed and take that label, it's like, consider it a warning sign, a guidance mechanism. Like some people like to call the emotions um, like your sat nav, essentially. So when you, well, there so you, you go. Right. could you say if, if you're depressed, you're blessed? Well, yeah, because it's your freaking, it's like the equivalent of those people who, you know, those people who have that really unique um, ailment where so like, basically maybe our society celebrates numbness. We celebrate numbness. Well, I think and so. if you feel anything, the point is you, you need to take something because you're feeling I something. I think our vanity culture, our superficial up, so culture. I'll, I'll yeah, hand yeah, cool. it over to you to talk for. I'll, I'll monologue. Um, I'll do some Shakespeare while you're fixing your mic. Um, I don't, I don't know any Shakespeare actually, so I'm just going to continue the conversation henceforth. Um, yeah, there's like a vanity culture and, um, because it's so visual and superficial and visceral in some senses, um, people have figured out that they can sell an illusion, sell an idea through using visual means like say Instagram, for example, I can I can lead people to think that I'm happy all the time and my life is excellent. And then there's certain van, uh, what do you call it? Virtue signals where, um, if I take a photo in front of a Lamborghini, that shows that I've got some things figured out. If I'm smiling in every photo or, you know, if I'm a girl and I'm poking my bum out and stuff like that, wearing like a thong or something, it shows that I've got an exciting life and there are all these little virtue signals that we build up and the collective rewards those signals and people embodying them. Um, but then oftentimes I, I'm, I got to meet a lot of, um, um, Instagram influencers, uh, back in the day when I was running a business. Um, and it would be very alarming because, um, you see their profile. So you'd meet their virtual profile first and it just looks like they are just, um, part of the Royal family or something, you know, every, every photo is at the beach and they're in bikinis or the guys are working out. They just every, look like they've got their life together. So on point everything just looks great they look so wealthy and happy and then you meet them and they've got all this anxiety and um they just seek acceptance yep. like 
to a point where like they project their power onto people. Um, you know, there's all kinds, you know, I'm, I'm being general specific, but, um, that was a really good learning curve for me because I started to realize, oh, even I get caught up in this vanity game where I project power onto people that project this aura of, I look at me, look how great my life is. But oftentimes if you have to go out of your way to do that, that in itself, and this is where intuition kicks in because your tummy, your gut kicks in and kind of goes, something doesn't quite feel right. But then the mind can often overtake that in our contemporary world where we kind of go, yeah, 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 but she's hot. So don't worry about it. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. But he seems really cool. So like, yeah, yeah we'll just, just go with it. Whereas your gut kind of goes not something isn't right. Um, and this is, I think, part of being a balanced human being when you balance your emotions and your thoughts and it's a constant, there's no, I've made it. It's a continuous, it's a continuous process. Um, but when you live in that balance and that equanimity, you're able to tap into your intuition a lot more. So going back to that Vedic diagram of the bottom four planes of the seven planes of existence, physical around the bottom, emotional, mental intuition. Now what's what they outline um, about this, um, these stages is that it's not as if one is above the other, but that they're all interlinked. It's just when you write it as a model on a piece of paper and a 2d diagram, it looks like intuition is above the mind. The mind is above emotions, but they all kind of coalesce, but it's like when we balance our emotions, so when we acknowledge and we don't feel quite right, and then we look at the thoughts and kind of get that feedback and make the necessary changes to remain in homeostasis and in balance, then all of a sudden there's this access to this new world called intuition. Now, when you have that access, it's like a precognitive ability. And it's like those sci-fi novels you'd read in the 70s and 80s that was so prevalent where all these people are walking around with precog, where they know things that are about to happen. They know... Um, I got some great wisdom from a, a novel where you um, tune into something and if you can really see it and feel like it's going to happen, then it's probably going to happen. And this, so it sounds really simple, right? But then conversely, if you can't, let's just say you're going to move out with some friends, it's like, oh, it's going to be amazing, but you just can't picture it. You know, your gut, when you're able to get to that level where you can listen to your gut on that level, you can start to go, okay, so the energy is not moving towards that version, that timeline, that parallel universe. So, I'm actually moving somewhere else. And you can start to basically have this access. It's like you're in the control room of your life and you're able to see things before they happen. You're able to navigate this multiverse because how I see reality is that there's infinite parallel realities lined simultaneously and that we're basically navigating and dancing through them every second of every day. The idea that you could change parallel realities billions of times a second is an idea that's very um, tantalizing because it allows you to see that you do have free will as you travel the hologram, but that if we access our intuition, we can essentially have a, have a head start, have, a, have the ability to navigate the hologram to a point where you can choose, you know, the better choice time and time and time and time and time and time and time again and live this life of flow. And that to me excites me because I have sovereignty and I have free will and I am using you're basically using yourself to create the greatest outcome in the simulation. And that to me is fun. And that to me is why I'm less interested in using VR because that's, I haven't even figured out fully how to use this simulation yet, let alone going into a simulation within a simulation. You feel? Hey, I feel you. And I'm sure there's another, uh, alternate reality out there that exists where my microphone wasn't falling down and, 
you didn't get a chance to deliver that brilliant monologue. Right. So something on the surface that seems negative, like your mic falling down, maybe pave way for something good. And that's the idea of there's never positive and negative and it's not how you, what happens to you is how you react to it. It's like, there's this, it's a perpetual dance. Life is a perpetual dance. And some of the greatest things that ever happened to me immediately stemmed from some of the most awful things that happened to me, but they were the, like you and I maybe would be a part of the status quo if we didn't have situations where you were very unwell and you had to claim your freedom, you know, through doing that. So it was like, you being unwell, which was hell at the time, sort of became the best thing that ever happened to you because it allowed you to see reality from a clearer vantage point and it's allowed you to take, I, I don't like the word control, take control of your life. I mean, influence your life, be able to consciously influence your life. I think that sounds like a better way of putting it. You feel? Yeah, I get you. And it reminds me of, uh, I'm reading some of the Gulag uh, uh, Archipelago by uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And in the one that? chapter he described... Describe oh, full on, full on book. Hey, I, I highly recommend anyone read it. Yeah, full <laughs> on, like, yeah, it's it's a full on read, but anyway, one of the points that it reminded me of where he describes when you get put in a cell for doing nothing wrong, um, you you that cell, that first cell, it's like your first love, you'll never forget it. And those people you get put in there with, that they, they are like your family. Wow, and it's because they have some they have a commonality that's so strong that it brings mm. you together. Think about that. Hey, what you just said, it's very, um, it's very powerful words. Yeah. Very powerful. And here we are in this, uh, in this time where a lot of us, uh, maybe not feeling so good yet. Uh, like I was saying before, I always go back to this. Historically, we have access to all the information. We have access to everything. It's just like, uh, how do you use it? Like you were saying is like, maybe, maybe, maybe that's depression that we're feeling. Maybe this, like this yearning that we have, maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's something, maybe it's something that's telling us something like it's something that's, uh, there's a knock at the door. Right. And, Mm. um, Maybe we, we, maybe we need a, um, maybe it's instincts, right? Cause we were talking about the hamster and I was talking about the cow and stuff. And we say, yeah, look, we have bigger brains than these animals and we're a lot smarter, but, um, maybe, maybe we still have a lot to learn from animals in the sense that they, they know how to live maybe in some senses more than us. Maybe they know how to live cleaner. Maybe they don't get so distracted and caught in their head because if you get stuck in your head, it can be a very perilous place to be if you get caught in feedback loops, for instance. Yeah, so that's it. It's like the power of our mind. It's like it, it can. It's like a. It's like a sword, hey. It's like our greatest weapon, hey. But it depends how you, you know, are you gonna yes. sharpen, sh- sharpen, sharpen the blade, or are you gonna like, uh, you know, uh, become basically like a slave to it, right? Absolutely and right. Be afraid, and be afraid. And be afraid, essentially, of using your own capacity. It's almost like and being for, afraid as, as of you, your own potential. It's almost like as um, species get more evolved, there is more potential, um, which is the blessing. But then, with more potential, like you say, it's, there's potential for it to go both ways. And I think that's what we're experiencing right now. And, you know, we're often really hard on ourselves as a race, like our oh, human beings are fucking destroying the planet. And yet, you know, yeah, to to degree that's accurate, but. Um, almost like, well, okay, we are like learning as a collective. We are the most advanced species on the planet, it seems. 
maybe we're definitely not necessarily living in the most harmony. I was even just thinking about body technology and how like for a dog, when they experience something traumatic, they shake apparently. And so the shaking is like basically letting go of the trauma in the moment that it happens so that they can basically move on and let go and not necessarily hold a grudge. And, um, and then I often think about how humans deal with grudges and kind of go, oh, some humans, or especially when I was younger, you know, I could definitely hold a grudge and you know, I could definitely resent someone for a long time. But then who, whose party does that poo-poo on it? Poo-poo's on your party, you know? That person's going back to their life and you're holding a grudge. So you've got to hold, you've got to be the anchor for all of that dense energy. So let it go, you know? So sometimes, um, you know, animals are equipped with evolutionary technology where they live maybe more in harmony with, nature i mean i was just lying in the park yesterday and the sun was hitting my face for 15 minutes and it was heaven it was bliss mm. absolute bliss i tell you you know i often go outside and i go for walks and things like that but i don't often just sit and acquiesce in nature and i was just thinking oh my goodness like imagine if i did this every day for 15 minutes it would be heaven and it would completely change my perspective and my mood if i was just able to stop for 15 and and catch some sun because the energy of the sun connects with you in such a great way where it cleanses everything and it really calms your head and uh, your body feels great and that's as simple as a as a teaching as you could give anyone go sit in the sun mm. yeah the no, sun. i agree with you going to sit in the sun is very powerful especially if you're dealing with some illness or anything like i yeah. definitely think the power of uh, some vitamin d is uh, very 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 underrated right and Tight. it's fucking free um yeah it's fucking free um apparently yeah. that was donald trump's advice for people with covid or people scared of the virus what can we do to because there's a lot of talk in the west that like oh we haven't been taught how to look after ourselves during this process and apparently when donald trump was interviewed um he said go sit in the sun and i thought wow, wow that is very good advice from a president you know yeah like, go sit in the sun. Like that is going back to the roots and we probably don't remind ourselves enough of that as a collective to, to do that. But yeah, ultimately we have so much potential and, and we've been growing, but I, I was going to ask you this, maybe this is a good thing to wrap up on. Um, yeah. I, I was going to state something and then I was going to compare it to your reality and, and ask how you feel. Um, most of the people that I'm around on a day-to-day -day basis that I talk to online or that I'm, in the company of in the physical world seem to be doing a lot better in the last year seem to have grown a lot seem to have become mm -hmm. better people seem to be living in more harmony and more flow in the last year yeah. in spite of the global context and, and a narrative that's you know emerging but there are many other narratives that come through and this is a narrative mm -hmm. that i wanted to um basically just put out there as an idea to anyone else that's listening as well that that in my the, world your narrative is me, that that 2020 is great 20, it's been revelatory for me personally, but it's also yeah. led me to become a much better, much happier person, uh, despite everything, again, that's going on. I think that's just like, because of the news and the frequencies all coalescing around the world, it does form a strong narrative, you know, about everything that's going on. But I think a lot of these micro narratives, you and I getting together and talking once a week creates a narrative and that narrative mm. can generate strength and people can and the stuff we narrative. talk about is generated from other narratives, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, that's very true as well. So there is like a, yeah. a collective narrative, but there's also individual narratives. And that's a narrative that I feel is important to share. 
um, in a way of in a way of counterbalancing what I would call these negative frequencies that are occurring. But it's not about resenting these negative frequencies. It's about understanding them, um, understanding the fear and where it comes from, and and the agenda behind it, and um, forgiving and accepting. But then yeah, yeah. not being quiet about what you see and how you feel. And in, in this case, you know, I, I feel really good. I feel the best I've ever felt, you know, on par with the freedom I felt when I was a very young kid, um, very playful, very childish, very free and enjoying the flow and grace that I'm experiencing in my life currently. So I wanted to ask you how you've been feeling and if you've been noticing something different to me or something similar. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's a really good question. Yeah. I feel like you, 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 yeah, you've grown a lot. Hey. And, um, I think it's like, even, um, even like, uh, even, even myself personally, I think like for me, it's like, yeah, like I was sort of, it brings it back full circle where I sort of was saying at the start when you were asking me what, what's been on my mind this um this this week and it was like realizing my worth right and um Mm. it 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 sort of comes back to well i think i've spent a lot of time trying to like measure it to external things like it being money or like what what other people think or like whatever it is and it's just like i couldn't ever be happy right like fully and then it's just like in the past week, I think the major breakthrough is like, well, fuck. Yeah. Like you were saying, I, I can actually legit just wake up, go sit in the sun. Um, and I don't know, read, read a book. And it's like, fuck man, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy here. Like, um, definitely. And it's like, uh, there's just something within me that feels like, well, fuck, whatever, whatever happens. Like, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll find something to eat. Like uh, we're pretty blessed in Australia. If you just drive down like a couple of hundred kilometers south of Perth, um, you'll see beautiful green fields with beautiful cows. Um, looks like we have no shortage of food for a while. And yeah, you know, you might, you might come into the, to the city and notice like people are rushed and scared and like there's some fear and like frustration going on. Uh, but overall, I feel like, uh, you know, we can figure it out, you know, um, Mm -hmm. we can, we can figure it out. And I think that's the, that's the feeling that I'm getting from you as well, where you're kind of like, you're saying, look, we, we can figure it out. Lee, Lee knows some things. Nick knows some things. We might, we probably don't have the full picture, but, um, what have we got to lose to try? Yes. We can only, we can only go up from here, can't we? And these conversations help um, each other share information to connect more of the dots and connect more pieces of the puzzle together so that we can be of service to ourselves and as a result, our society. So yeah, I think this is a great moment and it's like a new dawning. And I like to encourage the feeling of excitement and anticipation in this moment because of the radical change that is happening. And I like to remind everyone that oftentimes when the worst things happen, they lead to the best things. Exactly. It's uh, you're blessed to be depressed. <laughs> Indeed. Thank because you for watching. You have a sat nav. 
Thanks, guys. Yep, that's it. See you later.